The following audio brought to you by TSF Entertainment Podcast may contain graphic descriptions of violence and or audio clips of violence or sexual explicit events. Listener's discretion is advised. Everybody introduce yourselves, but y'all should already know my family. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Retro CG signing off. You signing off or signing on? What's up? It's really BTV. What's up, everybody? Sounding off, signing on. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing this week? Pretty good. Can't complain. Last week was a long week. Hopefully, this week will be a better one. It kind of felt Facts. like it was. Yeah, it did kind of feel like it was a long week. Yeah. I had to go back to work. I had some personal stuff going on, but hopefully this week will be a better week. So, yeah. Didn't have power last week to, to kick my week off, you know, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Power kind of, you know, missing, not having power kind of kind of threw a damper in the Sunday. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> threw me off a little bit. Well, we're going to make up for it tonight. So we're here to talk about uh, Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, Episode 6, Level Up. And um, great episode. Excellent episode. Great episode. It was, it was a good episode. To, I'm still trying to but excellent episode. Yeah, it was a good episode, but it definitely it definitely made me feel some kind of way. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I, I got some points where I feel some kind of way too. So I guess we'll go ahead and jump on in this while uh uh Juggernaut is trying to process the uh, first off, I love the opening scene where how it was shot. I, I just I love that. Um that kind of overview of the city and whatever. Um so the episode starts off with um Raquel. She's at the uh projects and she's pressing the button for the elevator you know she's trying to go up to the eighth floor and there's a little old lady that's coming down the stairs and she's like baby the elevator don't work it ain't working forever right and so and i feel sorry for her she had to walk up eight flights of stairs and heels i'm like oh <laughs> but that's that's mm. the projects for you I must work say, that's, that, that's that project life <laughs> yeah, yeah you ain't got to work an elevator this good times, <laughs> so you ain't right, got no right, work right. He's scratching and surviving, <laughs> you know. But as she's walking up the stairs, though, you hear uh, uh, Kanan um, comes on the voiceover. You know, he's pretty much talking about you know uh, the the hustle life. You know, and it's how you have to keep striving, you have to keep pushing, you have to keep scratching. 
you know, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, keep moving. You know, you can't be basically saying you can't be complacent. You know, there's always changes. So as she gets off on the eighth floor, uh, Bookman, I'm just going to call him Bookman because I don't know what the uh, building manager name is. <laughs> the Bookman. <laughs> Bookman tell him that the inspector is up there. He upset. <laughs> right. He's like, you going to get me fired. <laughs> Bookman, whatever that. <laughs> Yo. Bookman said the uh, inspector is there and, you know, he pretty much tried to tell her in previous episodes when they were talking about the apartment that, look, you can't come in and this public housing, first off, you can't come in here and make alterations to the unit without clearing it through the housing authority. And then, I guess, every time there's a new tenant or their eviction or whatever or random inspection, you know, the building inspector is going to come by and check out, uh, survey the apartment to see. And I think a lot of that has to do with how the people are living, per se. Because don't they get yeah, reduced rent? probably how they keep in the place. Yeah, I think uh, uh, a lot of that has to do with the upkeep of the unit and how the people are living in it or whatever, because it's public housing. So, you know, they're getting assisted living or reduced rent type deal. So, you know, the inspector comes by, check out the unit, make sure you're not in here balling out of control and paying $5 a month in rent. And um, so she meets the inspector and, you know, she comes in and she's like, yeah, I'm a new tenant. And he's like, yo, uh, you can't do nothing to this unit without prior uh, approval from the housing authority and me. I feel like he added the me part to that scenario to try to make him, you know, I, I'm the man around here. You got to go mm-hmm. through me. Yeah. That's the impression I got. Right, facts, mm-hmm. facts. That's, and what so, I, that's what I think too. I think he more so mentioned him because it's like, you know, with me, it's some sort of persuasion, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, nah, it ain't, I took it as it ain't gonna happen me, unless right. I say it happen type deal. I'm the man around here, right? Yeah, I definitely think it was it was about a certain some sort of dominance. Yeah, yeah, because he was exerting his dominance right here and there. I mean, we didn't have to go no further in the episode to know that he was trying to uh, exert power, and that's right. the name of the show. And I, and I kind of like these moments like his because that's exactly what this show is all about. It's always a, a struggle for power. So, you know, she come up with some bullshit lied about, you know, I'm a cook, I'm a single parent, you know, I'm trying to put a new stove in here, blah, blah, blah. Because he was like, why the hell right. do you have a hole in the floor? You know, right. and, you know, she did her best to try to clean it up. And, you know, you instantly see him try to size her up. And he was, she was resolve this matter. And he was like, well, I need you to meet me here tonight at eight o'clock in private. You know, you and me alone. Right. And, he was like, and I mean alone. <laughs> like, yeah, she was alone. like, what other kind of alone is <laughs> Right, what, what other kind of alone? You. Right, what other kind of alone are you talking about, right? Right, I mean, you by yourself. Right. Yeah. Which so clearly, I got a busy day today, but I'll be back here by 8 o'clock night. Right, which along. clearly you know what was on his mind, the way he sized her up and the way he was like, alone, alone. And in a particular time at night that he selected right, for right. them to reconvene. Yeah, 8 o'clock at night alone. Yeah, you know what's up. And, you know, I like how she played it off because she had this kind of little innocent look about herself. Like, you know, she was down with it or she was with it. And, you know, she kind of gave him false hope that, yeah, she would be with it. So, you know, she kind of had this little uh, smile on her face like she was happy to oblige the request. But in reality, she started processing that comment and figure out how she's going to deal with them. That's that, that's that Black Widow mentality. And that's exactly what she is. Listen, uh, 
Speaking of Black Widows, I, I'm, I'm starting to have a little frustration with Raquel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to put her in Tasha category, but I'm starting to get a little frustrated with her. I really am because she's just she moving. I, I, I'm just I'm not liking the way she's moving right now. So, uh, you know, she tell Bookman, listen, my people getting ready to come back uh, to finish their work on this unit, stay out their way. He was like, did you not just hear what the building inspector said? He's like, fuck the building inspector. We work. Right. And fuck so, him. Right. <laughs> she don't answer to nobody. So then the scene cuts to the 76 gas station. And I remember the 76 gas station. <laughs> All right. uh, famous in Canaan or out and about uh, throughout the neighborhood. They're handing out the flyers or they're posting flyers all throughout the neighborhood. Uh, and when I seen a little Volvo uh, skirt by, I was thinking that it was Symphony uh, driving by. You know, he had a little Volvo and, you know, Canaan kind of like zoomed in on the car or whatever. But really, right. you know, he was he was coming up with that idea that he, well, the idea was registering in his head that he later on presented to Marvin. But I was trying to figure out what the significance that they were trying to show us with the little Volvo pulling into the gas station, but I figured it out. Yeah, because I said the same thing. I was like, what's this about? I said the same thing. I was a little, yeah, I was a little yeah, lost about that. I was trying to figure out what was, what was so important about the gas station they were trying to show us. Then it switches to Detective Howard. And he creeping up on the doctor. Right. Uh, that was so. That was stalkerish. Right. I'm like, how do you know what this woman is? Like, very stalkerish. Well, I got the impression that it, he was rolling up on her at her job. Like, she was just getting ready to come in to work that day or, or you know, coming back from lunch or something like that. I think uh, it was. Said, she said, she told him, she said, What do you want? You have to make an appointment. I have a. Uh, people I need to see. Oh, she had a yeah. patient she was getting ready to go see. Yep. Well, anyway, he pulls up on Dr. Nichols and um, basically asks her to reconfirm that. Well, basically, he was trying to ask a hypothetical question about, well, what if I had a son? You know, would they be able to do donate the bone marrow, which we had already said that was what his motive was. Uh, once he found out that Kenan was his son, that, you know, he was going to try to extract the bone marrow from him. And, you know, the doctor pretty much gives him, you know, he's, uh, it's a 50, what, what did she say? It was like a 50-50 chance. Yeah, she of, says 50-50 because it's half his DNA. Right. And that they could do that procedure, but normally, like I originally said, donors have to be 18 years or older. Um, and, of course, the, uh, with parent consent or legal guardian consent, you know, there's exceptions to that age restriction. So, what do you think he's getting ready to do here? I, I don't think, know. I think what is what we mentioned you, last week. I think, I think it think is too. I think he's going to try to strong arm Raquel. He's he going to mm -hmm. try to smooth talk. He's going to try to smooth smooth talk Raquel. I really think. But that's that. the question: Is he going to try? Is he trying to smooth talk, or is he going to strong arm her? That's the I, question. I think he's going to strong arm her. I think he's going to try to blackmail her. I do too. I do too. Yeah, because if he can prove. Uh, custody and he blackmail her, then I mean, technically, Canaan would be warded to him, you know, and Raquel would go to jail. Mm, I don't know if it's going to go that far into it. I don't think I it would think... go that far, but um, you know, technically, I think he's going to threaten to reveal to Canaan that I am your father if she doesn't convince him to, um buy into the donor or if she doesn't sign off on him being a a, a donor so we're going to have to um 
see where that goes, but I think that's exactly what his reproach is going to be. Yeah, I for, think yeah, I definitely think it's going to be some blackmail. Yeah, or or a, some extortion attempts at, at least. Um, so then we get to the uh, showcase, the venue for the showcase. You know, the workers, uh, everybody is there trying to get set up for the showcase for that night. You know, everybody's trying to get the room set up and get the equipment unloaded. And you know, uh, Lulu and Jessica, they come in. You know, and she's kind of. Uh, basking in the moment where she's like, oh, none of this would be happening without you and you the man and blah, blah, blah. And Lulu was like, well, I'm just the money man. She's like, no, don't look at yourself just as the money man. You're the man that's making this happen. Like, you're running this. So she's still trying to gas his head up a little bit. She's still trying to get him um, to see the bigger picture of what's happening with this venue. And then instantly you start seeing people come up begging for money. Everybody's coming up like, yeah, oh, I, was I gotta like, get paid for this. I gotta get paid for that. I'm the vendor exactly. for this. I'm like, this Camacho is a creep though. He is a creep. Yeah, he I feel like he, he was sending everybody over there for money. That's what I that's what I thought. Like hey, I don't can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Now just make it sure. I don't I don't even think that it was the fact that he didn't well I'm kind of torn between this because I feel like he probably didn't have the money to pay the folks, but I mean it just he seemed did. like he, he didn't make no any any kind of attempt to try to uh, pay these folks or anything. He just sent them straight to Lulu. And all of them come right. up literally begging for money. Right, because it's almost like, Lulu, like, I get it that you paid off the engineer, you did all of that or whatever, but did y'all not have a conversation about exactly how much money this man owed? Like, did y'all not, you know what I mean? Like, you well, just, he was just blindly paying the workers. He was just paying the workers at the studio, right? I didn't think that this was going to extend to right. running the showcase. Like, I got to pay for the light people. I got to pay for the sound people. I got to pay for the, the, the security. I got to pay for the wait staff. Like, he literally paid for all the vendors. Which, like, again, brings me back to the beginning of all of this, where was this a real thing, or was this bullshit to begin with? It probably was going to be bullshit to begin with, because he didn't, obviously, he didn't have the money to pay for the work. Right, because I'm just like, this is wow, you know what I mean? He ain't have no money. I mean, he ain't got a, a, right. a, a, a two nickels to rub together. <laughs> A pot to piss in or a window Damn, to throw it out of at this point. Like he need to step off. But I feel like but I feel like I'm I'm kind of torn between why he doesn't have the money because obviously they're trying to show us that he's an addict. He he's a he's a junkie. So are we left to assume that he's spending all his money on drugs? If that yep. be the case, isn't he spending it with Lulu anyway? It's probably a combination of the two. It's probably drugs. But it's also probably mismanagement of what he does have. You know, the music industry is fickle. Oh, you know what, what I they're mean? trying to show us is that he just blow through money, period. Maybe. Yeah. Because uh, part of it seems, I, I, I want to lean more drug angle because they're constantly showing him using. They're constantly right. showing him, you know, Lulu's, every time Lulu came over there, he brought drugs for him. You know, at mm -hmm. the showcase, he was smoking a lace blunt, which we're going to have a lot to talk about with that lace blunt. Uh, and so, you know, uh, maybe it's just that he's, he's he's got bad habits. And like you say, you know, with the music industry, it's a costly industry to be in mm -hmm. al already. And the fact that he's not managing his money already, I mean, I guess it's a combination of all that. But, you know, Rock kind of peeps a little bit of what's going on. She walks up, you know, her and Lulu are trying to have a conversation. And she's not really feeling this whole show showcase thing. She's not as... Not at all. She's not as... A, as 
as negative about it as Marvin would be, per se, if him and Marvin were having a conversation, but you could show her disinterest in it. She's more so interested as a potential venue for them to serve. Like, because she even asked right. him, she was like, uh, do you got a crew together to serve tonight? She was like, nah. He was like, nah, I want this clean. I want this venue clean. And a part of her should want the venue clean because, like, y'all kids finna be here. You know, y'all should want no drama. Y'all shouldn't want nothing popping off at this event because y'all kids are here, you know. And so, you know, she's trying to tell him that, you know, you spending up all on my money, our money. He was like, this is my money. She was like, well, your money is my money. So, right. and, and he's trying to tell her, which I've said in earlier podcasts, that they don't have no legitimate way to wash their money, to clean their money. Right. So his comment to her, like, you know, Rock, this could be more than just that. You know, this could actually be something for us to fall back on for legit money. And she kind of gave me a Tasha moment where she wasn't feeling that. She wasn't feeling that idea yeah. of having a, a, a opportunity to clean, to have clean money versus dirty money. So what y'all right. thoughts were about that conversation? I agree 100%. That was the first time that I saw that strong of a parallel with like to a, a a power book one situation. I mean, other than the obvious, you know, the drug dealing and all that, but that conversation was just so very reminiscent of Tasha and Ghost when he wanted to go legit. So yeah, I definitely saw that. And the thing about it is though, in this case, I don't even get the impression that Lulu wants out the game. He just wants to use it as a segue or as something to fall back on. We can have both. You know, we can have a legit business that's mm-hmm. thriving as well as the street business. Either way, we have something else to put our name on. Right. So, and of course, she had to throw up in his face because he pretty much told her he didn't want them dealing there tonight. So right. she was like, well, what about Unique? You best believe he's going to have somebody up in here dealing. Right. right, exactly. And he was like, well, Unique ain't dealing in here either. And so then Crown come up begging for some more money about uh the uh a vendor and she was like, So you just paying all the bills around here or whatever. Like go spend right. up our money. Right. And then he kind of sized her up. He was like, Oh, I ain't seen Rock in a minute, yo. She looking all shapey. And you know, Lulu kind of looked at him like, That's my sister you talking about, yo. Right. People be cracking me up. Like <laughs> that is his sister. <laughs> So we know that from that look alone that crowd ain't fit to be with us much longer. <laughs> Given this current situation where he's exploiting uh, Lulu at this point, I think he's taking his, uh, generosity, kindness for a weakness, so to speak. Like, listen, I paid your workers to settle that debt for you because your workers was pretty much getting ready to work walk mm-hmm. out on you. So I, I, I gave you that favor. But that didn't right. mean that I was going to pay all your debt. And exactly. going forward, I'm going to pay all your debt. So to me, I feel like he's using Lulu at this point. He's exploiting you, Lulu. Now, if you put a deal on the table, say, yo, let's go into business together. We can be partners or whatever, whatever. Give Lulu something to feel like he's investing in. At right. this point, all he's doing is paying your debt because you can't. You so I feel like at some head. point, he, he's going to be up out of here. Yeah. I, I really think he's finna be up out of here. So, uh, you have the next scene, uh, Bert, she's coming into the station and the captain calls her into the office and pretty much tell her that, look, uh, Detective Howard has called out sick. He's been working here 25 years. He ain't never called out sick. Like, what's going on with him? 
And um, he was pretty much telling her to stay in for the day, you know, uh, right, work the right. desk. And she wasn't trying to hear that. She was like, well, you know, I got a couple of things I can do out on the street, you know, low key or whatever. And then, of course, uh, we've been hearing this all throughout the uh, series where, you know, Detective Howard's kind of been throwing shade at her that her family had been in law enforcement prior to. Right. And that's why she has a job. And then the captain kind of confirms. He's like, well, I told your dad I would look after you and make sure that you were straight or whatever. But, you know, it seems like she wants to try to come into her own. Yeah, she does. She wants to come into her own. Now, what side of the fence she's going to be on, I haven't figured that out yet. You don't think she's going to be righteous, cop? Mm, maybe. Maybe. And I'll tell you later you on gonna, what I think. Oh, you think she's going to be, you think she going to be a uh, book, uh, book three sacks? <laughs> she's not going to be a Cooper Sacks. She's not going to be a Cooper Sacks. Uh, She's going to be a little, she's going to be a, a bit of an Angela Valdez, so to speak. And I, I'll unpack that a little bit it's later true. when I get, get to that scene. There's a reason why I feel like okay. there's going to be something extra with her, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. I, yeah, we might be on the same page with that. I, I think we're on the same page, later. too. Uh, yeah, I got CP. something to add to that later, too. Yeah. I got something mm-hmm. to add to that. You know, what you say, put 10 on 20? <laughs> so right, I got, right, I got right. something to put 10 on 20 on the night, so... We'll see. I might be reaching a little bit. We'll see if me and CP are on the same page. I might be reaching page. too. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So then we get to the uh, tailor shop, um, and we see the little guy up front that uh, uh, running the uh, the boutique, uh, the little tailor shop. And he tripped me out when he see Lulu coming there. He took my silk two piece. He was like, hey, you either lost or crazy. He's like, what you doing up here? Right. <laughs> he was like, I'm here to talk to you, Deke. He's like, about what? <laughs> he all knows this shit. He's like, about what? He's like, like, he's I don't talk to the help. Like, I don't talk to the door. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what he is, too, the doorman. Doorman. Oh, doorman. So he, you know, he frisked him down real quick, and he let him go on in the back talk to Unique. And Unique and his boys are sitting back there. And, you know, this is his lair, and this this kind of puts me in one of those old, uh, you know, superhero type movies or TV shows where the villain is always shown at their lair. Like you know, you almost hardly don't see Unique anywhere else but this. Uh, the lair. This, thing. Yeah, this is a little clubhouse. This is this is his safe place because you don't hardly ever see him anywhere else but here all the time at the at in the back room of this tailor shop. So this is his war room. This is where all his planning and everything. And we see that he is he's definitely uh, a step or two ahead. Now, initially, when I saw in the preview that Lulu was coming over here, I thought it was for him to try to you know settle down some of the beef between him and um, uh, Raquel. You know, I, I figured that he was taking a stab at going to approach Unique and try to see can we put some peace back in between. Uh, because, you know, so much has happened up until this point. Right. So I feel like, you know, he was, I initially thought he was going over there to try to make peace and, you know, try to see if we can get things, uh, you know, somewhat back in harmony. Right. But no, we saw him go over there to tell Unique that, you know, he wanted uh, no drama at the showcase tonight. And he wanted, you know, it to be peace, no drug dealing, no violence, no no drama. And, you know, Unique pretty much was like, uh, you know, it, there was a message and Lulu didn't catch the message that Unique was trying to tell him. He was like, look, what's real? 
like you know in the streets we beefing but behind closed doors you know y'all y'all trying to come over here and smooth things over but you know my people are dead you know my people are dying mm-hmm. and um he's like you know so here we are beefing with each other but yet you want to come and ask me for a favor right which that thought that was kind of bold i thought that was very disrespectful I mean, I'm just going to be 100% honest with him. Yeah, and I, I'm Team Rock over here, but I, I really did find that to be disrespectful. But at the same time, there's there's a lot of tit for tat. And I'm almost to the point where I'm getting tired of the tit for tat. Like, we get it. They're rivals at this point. But, you know, I'm just ready for, you know, one to win, one to stand, one to fall type deal because I'm just I'm tired of this constant tit for tat. You know, you rob me for my stash, I rob you for your stash. You kill one of my guys, I kill one of your guys. Like I, I'm I'm tired of this tit for tat element. Like I'm ready for it to uh to culminate to uh a end a end game at this point. <clears throat> and so uh he pretty much agrees that uh they're not gonna shoot up the place. He's like I'm down if rock's down but we know that he was lying. And right. so uh, he had one of his dudes in the back, which was kind of funny because he actually told the guys that were in, in the presence of Lulu that y'all not going to do nothing at the uh, place. You know, it's on peace tonight, whatever. But he didn't speak for the group, you know, that was in the back, which was Warrell and Scrappy. They were in the back. So when they come out, he was like, you know, you and this uh, team switch nigga, y'all finna go light this uh, showcase up. What do you call him? Tell him a turncoat. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. A turncoat. That's exactly what he called him. It's turncoat nigga. Y'all finna go light this place up. Mm-hmm. While he had a little man in there uh cleaning his Air Force One. He was like, Y'all finna <laughs> go light this place up. Of course you noticed that. We always gonna yeah, notice the sneakers, Christian. He definitely had them Air Force Ones on. <laughs> so what do y'all think about this? I mean, unique is <sighs> Up until this point, I found him to be a man of his word, but it seems like he's doing a little reneging on his word now because he did promise Lulu that they weren't going to have no problems up there. But at, at this point, we're enemies. Like, we're not friends, you know? So I don't know why you think you can come over here and ask me for a favor. And he told him that. Like, I don't understand how you think you can come over here and ask for a favor. Like, you got some audacity, mm-hmm. you know, to come over here and ask me for a favor after what y'all don't done. So what do y'all take from that? I mean, I feel the same way. I feel like <clears throat> unique. I'm not, I guess I'm just not sure the game he's playing at this point because I, I think he feels like they're not trustworthy. So why should I? You know, right. cause we had a, we had a deal about the corners. Like technically rock reneged first. Yeah. I mean, she didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't her. It was her son, but they had come up with an agreement. They had made an agreement. Yep. That's true. I got to agree that- with you guys. That's true. All of that is 100% true. So what's happening and, and, and it's it speaks to how things can just get out of control real easy because they had a conversation. It's just like what she told uh, Gabriel. She was like we shook uh, uh, when we negotiate we shook hands. When we renegotiate we throw in hands. So right. after they had just came to that agreement about the corners the same day one of my guys get shot up on the corner that you gave me. Right. And there's no explanation to how that happened. Like, Raquel should have took her ass back over there and like, yo, I need to make this right for you because my son acted out of uh, impulse. You know, he came over here and shot up the corner not knowing about our agreement. You know, she should have gave up her, her weight to him for 
a couple of shipments. Like we, she should have done something to try to rectify the situation to put that peace back in that harmony back in between them. Because at this point, it's a unique situation anyway. Because you got both of them that are competitors that are getting their product from the same connect. So, you know, at some point they have to have some type of business arrangement for them all to be working like this in harmony. Which mm-hmm. we see come right. to in this episode. And I don't even and I don't even understand why Lulu like I don't even understand what why Lulu thought that Unique would be open to any type of truce for anything. Like I don't even know like he had like Lulu, I mean, I don't. I just thought that was weird that Lulu would even expect that. Well, I guess because he was trying to make it like a Switzerland type situation where you know everybody, let's come to the showcase and have a good time. These kids are going to be here. Like I don't even think he was approaching it from the drug aspect as much as it was from the violence aspect. Like he just didn't want nothing to pop off there. His girl gonna be there. <clears throat> You know, the family is going to be out. You know, I think he just didn't want nothing to happen to anyone at the show. I understand that, but I just think that was a really big ask. Yeah, that was a very big ask. Now, it'd be different if it, I can even see if it was what he probably should have done was sent uh, Camacho down there because I think it would have been better coming from somebody like him rather than coming from from Lulu. I don't think, I, I mean, I don't know. It just, to me, I just thought that was some bold. Like y'all legit are at war, and you just straight up walked up in my place of business asking for a favor. Like he said, like y'all <laughs> real bold asking for a damn favor for me right now. Like that's right. some bullshit. I feel like he shouldn't even took his ass over there to begin with. Period. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I if anything, he should have if if he really wanted some sort of truce for the night, he should have sent Camacho because at the end of the day, it's still his it's still his business. It's still his company. Like nobody really knows that Lulu is the one paying the bills at this point. Send him down there saying, listen. I know it's been a whole lot of shit going on in the street, but I got this work, you know, I got this, I got this, this showcase tonight. I'm inviting people from all over the city. It's going to be, you know, Rower Cruz there. I'm just asking for no violence. I'm just asking to keep it real, you know, real nice and peaceful tonight, you know, for my artists. Like, I feel like, and, right, I, and right. that still that don't mean sense. that Unique would have done it, but that would, right. I feel like that would have been better coming from him. He may have received it better is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because what you ask him not to do, you just told him what to do. Yeah. Basically. So you see Marvin pull up on his little crew, his little his little footworkers, his little street Hold workers. On a second. Hold on a second. Before we start on, on Marvin, I do like the fact that he went from the red bins to a blue one. Blue is, blue is my favorite color. Like, no cap. Blue is my favorite color, too. When I and I like that, that, I was like, I was like, okay, I like Marvin. that color too. Like, did you not yeah. miss that in last week's episode? Yeah, they did. He I'm did talk- have it last week, though. I'm talking about it last week. week. <laughs> I'm talking yeah. about him getting a new I knew car he last had a new week. Biz last week, but I think I did miss the color. Yeah. So yeah, Marvin got a new whip now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Marvin beating up with uh, his crew to you know find out about the re up, and they pretty much told him that he ain't get no re up. And so, you know, Marvin's trying to figure out, like, what the fuck going on? What do you mean we ain't get no re-up? At that point, you know, he just leave the crew out there on the street. And he's going to go try to find out what's going on with the re-up because, you know, right. they're running low. And so uh, he heads on over to... Uh, <laughs> like Rocks, they always running low. <laughs> they always running low. But then you switch to uh, Raquel, how she giving Kanan a haircut. You know, and this this is this is a time. One thing I like about that is like, 
even when she's upset with him, she still do what she needs to do for him as, as a mother, as a parent. You know, mm-hmm. even when she's she about the whole symphony thing, you know, she uses opportunity to bring the conversation up for them to have a conversation. Of course, Kenny comes clean about it. And he tried to tell her there, like, look, Ma, this was me. Don't don't blame him for this. This was me. I told him not to tell you. I didn't tell you. It was right. Symphony's place to tell you it was mine. And I don't understand why she upset with Symphony about that because it wasn't his place. Like it wasn't his business. And she had already told him one time before to stay out of his business. Now, my better question would be, would she have been mad if he didn't go? Right. Like, do, do you think she would have been um, upset if she did go and came and called I think for? I think her expectation as mother slash girlfriend was, my son call you, you call me. I think that's the expectation. Even if she has, even if, because I feel like if Symphony had called and said, hey, Kanan, you know, he got hemmed up by the police. He called me up. I think secretly she would have been happy because in her mind, she'd have been like, okay, they're building a relationship. But the fact that she was She's on the outside out of, of it. She's on the yeah, outside because again, I understand, like, I, I, I think she might have done a whole lot at the end, but I absolutely I understand her anger. I absolutely, because if, if that's my son, yeah, you don't, you don't go pick my son up from the police station and you don't tell me that you picked my son up from the damn police station because again, you know, especially considering the line of work that we're in, like you know what we do, like you know it's deeper than just oh my my son was being hassled by the police. You know it's deeper than that. So I think if she, I think even if he had said, listen, Kanan just called me, he's down at the station, she might have let him go pick Kanan up. But I think just knowing, I think it's just you know. That's a different perspective. I didn't look at it that way. That's from a woman's perspective. So that's what we needed to hear because I totally didn't catch that. But you're right. When you when when I hear you explain that, it absolutely makes sense that that's what she would be upset about. I mean, Marvin, what's your thoughts? Um I agree with Chris. Um, you know, I agree with really be on that one. Um, I do also think that uh Rock has to always be in the knowing. And yep. yeah, that's that's a big problem. That's a big problem to have. Like, she don't want nothing to go over her head, and if her camp knows about it, damn it, say something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, she wants. Yeah, she's definitely a control, a control. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. You know, and he was trying to he was trying to explain it to her, and he was like, "Well, how you even found out about it?" And she was like, "Scrappy told me." He was like, "Oh, Scrappy the ops," and she was like, "No, Scrappy not the ops. You are." You know, because she was like, Kenny, you keep lying to me, you keep keeping things from me, you keep acting like a little kid. Now, she was right about that part. She was right about that part because the things that keep happening, Kenny, is because you keep keeping me out of the know of what's the fuck going on. You keep doing right. all this dumb ass shit and hiding shit. You making problems for the family. You making things worse. And I just, I don't know why she just don't come out and tell him that because that's exactly what he's doing. Every step he makes is to fuck up something. That's not his right. intention, and that's not what he's intending to do, but because he he's getting in the middle mistake. of grown folks' business, he is creating bigger problems for the family that they right. don't have the soldiers to deal with. She probably did, like, real talk, if you're gonna bring him in, like, like, and again, I it's keep going back. to sit him down and explain yeah, what's the 411. Absolutely, and I keep going back to that first night where he shoots up the corner 
he's basically set off this fucking war and he act like they're and he act like they're wrong for not including him. And it's like, no, you're wrong because it wasn't your fucking business. And I told you to stay out of it. And I felt like that night. And again, she I was, was going to get was, him together then that night on West Game. She should have. Right. She and I Especially was, and when I, she took him out there to go uh, shooting, that should have been the time right there for the to have that conversation. So I agree with you on that, CP. Yeah, you know, and again, I keep going back to how naive are you? Like, you can't, I mean, he can, obviously, because that's how they're making him, but it just frustrates me that you are totally, you want to be a part of something that you not only have no concept of, but you take no ownership of your part in it. Like, he never wants to be like, damn, I fucked up. I have yet to hear him say, damn, I fucked up. Even after D-Wiz got shot, it's still not his fault. Right, he'll fucking live wire, and then I think to go he back is to a bit of a live wire. But you know what? The, the what what gives me pause on all that, and the reason why I'm not as irritated with you as you are, CP, because you know those things like that irritates me too. The title of the show, Raising Canaan. We're raising them. So well, at this true. point, that's at true. this point, this is what I expect for him. This is what I expect of the character. Now, if 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 the title would have been uh, Power Book Three, Canaan. Then that would have been a whole different perception of what I would expect to see Kanan as. But because they have the raising Kanan part in there, I yeah. expect for him to be a live wire got- and a fuck up. And that's exactly what they have shown him to be since the first episode. True. Right. That's true. And but do you think do you think that with you know all the things that's going on and we in episode six now, we've seen the certain things that that, that has happened. You know, he made that decision on his own, on his own. Like, okay, I'm, a, I'm a, on impulse. You know, and instead of Rock, kind of like you said, checking the situation, she took him, took him out there and did some shooting. You know, she low key put a battery in his back. She did put a battery in his back that night. She put a battery in his back that night. Then she tried to take out the next day when it's time to send him to school. She tried. She put a battery in his back that night when she took him out here and showed him how to handle a firearm and how to protect himself in the streets and all this because she had no choice. It's like what Lulu and Marvin told her that night when they came over to the house that they had shot up the house. There's nowhere you're going to be able to hide him from from this and his mom not going to be able to protect him. So in other words, she should have mm-hmm. handed him off to one of them at that point and, and let them have a man-to-man conversation with him about what right. the repercussions of, of what he has done. But now I is- agree with that. I agree with that. She instantly puts a battery in his back by taking him out there. He thinking that she would get ready to take him to grandma's house like she threatened to do. And what she right. did, she took him out here to the beach and let him shoot up the place. Okay. And, and that I also point... think... No, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I... no, no. I was just going to say, I also think he may have even misinterpreted that because... Exactly. That's at that point, he thought he thought he was in. Like, she oh, I'm, I'm in yeah. now. Like, yeah, she okay. was ready. She but the next day in. when it's time to send him off to school, you know, she's trying to tell him how to, that he needs to use fear and he needs to be guided by fear in order to stay alive. So, you know, she, there's a bit of mixed signals. I'll, I'll give you that. There's a bit of mixed signals because I think in her mind, she don't know how to process this herself. You know, that's not what she wanted for him, but yet here we are. This is where we're at. And I feel like I was expecting, like what you just said is what I feel like I expected. I That, that first night, after they shot up the corners when they were all yelling at him. I absolutely expected, maybe not Marvin, because I don't think Marvin has the bandwidth to do this, but definitely Lulu, sit him down and say, listen, 
this is what you need to understand is going on now. Because of what you did, this is what's happening. And now your mom has to, well, we as an organization or however they wanted to word it, now we got to maneuver the fuck out of this just to make sure that you're not murdered. Because Street Code says you are supposed to die. Yep, Street, right. Code says, Street Code says that your mother is supposed to turn you over yep. to them. Yep. And we know she's not going to do it and we're not going to let her, but you need to understand right. how serious this is. Like, right. I, I'm with Basically. you. I feel like I feel like if that conversation had been had, even if Kanan continued to just be a dumbass, I would have at least been like, well, they talked to this nigga. But I feel like he got off real easy. I feel like they didn't... I just feel They're like babying him. He, They're babying him at this point. Yeah, they are. They're they babying are. him. Or at the very uh, least, pandering him. You know, they're they're trying to make it seem like you know the, his actions are not that big of a deal when in reality mm-hmm. they are. They so, really are, and like you said, the rest of everything that's going on now is a direct connection to what he did. Mm-hmm. Everything or yep. continues to do. He put yeah. he put a green light on all the asses. Yeah, he put. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, every 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 problem that they're faced with right now, including the stash house. The reason why they're low on weight right now is because of him. Because he had because he had no business inviting that little girl over there to that stash house. I mean, all mm-hmm. of it is it, it ties right back to him. And nobody telling him was well, Scrappy tried to tell him no better, but he don't respect Scrappy. See what I'm saying? His own cousin tried to tell him right. He don't even respect her. You know, so he he's not listening to nobody. You know, the people that he has admiration towards, obviously his uncles. And his mama, them the those are the ones that need to be having this conversation with him about mm-hmm. his movement and his actions, and none of them are. Um, so we switch to the next thing. You see jukebox laying up at the house, and you know she looks kind of bored, you know, sad, sad, and down and out. And her doorbell ring. Now, when I heard the doorbell ring, I, I thought it was Kanan coming over there. And I apologize because remember we had said that I knew exactly her and Kanan we were going to. I knew exactly who it was. Right. I knew it was yeah, her. I knew it was Nicole. You knew it was Nicole? I, I felt like it was. I mean, I yeah, thought it was. It I didn't was. think it was Kanan. Because I didn't think it was Kanan because and I don't think Kanan would have ever apologized if it weren't for the situation under which he apologized. I don't think he would have ever apologized because I don't think he thinks, I don't feel like he thinks he ever did anything wrong. No, I, I believe he knew he did wrong. He just didn't know how to address it. Okay. That could be it too, but I didn't think he was going to apologize. So, because yeah. sometimes let me tell you about the pride of a <clears throat> pride of a man. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, uh. with, with, yeah, with some, when some of us have a very strong pride about themselves and know that they don't mm-hmm. sidestep and know that they don't done wrong, and they know that they need to make it right, but they're kind of waiting for a moment to activate them to apologize. Okay. Some of us, some of us don't have the ability to come out and say, "Yo, I fucked up. I'm wrong. I did this." Some of us mm-hmm. know that we need to do it, but we're looking for the right opportunity to do it. So I think Cannon was per per se know he needed to apologize to his cousin. He knew he needed to make it right because even if you listen to the little story that they tell, they've been rocking together for a long time. They ain't but a year apart in age. So and like, if you listen, Cannon been fucking up for a long time because exactly. in that in that story, it was his fault. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and just like what in their adult life, you know, she told him, don't fuck this up. That's why she didn't want to let him in on her. Remember when he first got over there, it was starting to get better when he was in power and she was trying to yep. plan a jury heist and she had the workers over to her house 
and he was trying to get involved in. She was like, no, I don't want you involved in my business or whatever. She knew probably mm-hmm. did and he was going to fuck it up. And he kind of sort of did. Right. Because he ended up killing one of her workers. Like, nigga, you just like my dad. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, Kanan def- definitely is Marvin's nephew. Like, that is clear. They are connected. <laughs> so stupid. So uh, Nicole, it was nice to see Nicole came over there and check on jukebox. So I like Nicole's she, hair. I like she, that straight look on her. It was cute. She cares more about uh, jukebox than her parents' wishes, and um, you know, I, I found that to be very admirable of her. That you know, she would go against her parents' wishes of seeing this girl, let alone come all the way out here to the hood by herself. To see her, I mean that that really just spoke volume to what she feels for jukebox. So I, I I really was digging that moment, and that really made jukebox happen to know that she came out there to see it by her. Yeah, it means a lot. Like I don't think people understand how how big those little gestures mean. You know, you know, those little gestures it really means a lot. So yeah, because she definitely... probably had uh, come to resolve that she would never see that girl again. Well, right, she, right she wasn't expecting to see that girl no more. Yeah, I agree, and and yeah. Absolutely. Cause you could see the like she was shocked to see her. Not only did she come all the way out here, but she at my house. You yeah. Know? So uh, that was nice to see that happen. So we switched back to uh uh Raquel and her brothers at the house and God darn Marvin you eat all the time, man. God Lee, every time. And every you like Chinese food. You love every, some damn every, Chinese every scene, food. Marvin, you eating something all the time. You hungry now. <laughs> Barbie eats every episode. I swear, every scene, every every episode. Yeah, but remember, they said that at the beginning. Remember that was when they, when when Fifty Cent was narrating at the very beginning, first episode. They they did say that, but I didn't think it was gonna be like this. Right, and he was describing, he was describing his uncle Marvin, and he was like, he always got something in his mouth, like he always eating. He always eating. (laughs) He is. And so they up here at the house trying to figure out, or they've been fucking with Dean for five years. And they're trying to figure out why they ain't got no re-up. But this ain't the first time they didn't get a re-up. So I don't understand why this this one came as a surprise to them. Because the one before that, when she went up there the first time, they hadn't got a re-up. And, um, but they knew why the first time. See, this time, he didn't. she didn't realize that he had found out what she had done. So this is all her fault right here, though. Oh, this, this is 100% her fault. Yeah, this is her fault. Because she was like some shit going down. And as usual, we the last to know about it. Well, it's kind of... Be- it's kind of a repercussion. It's kind of a consequence because exactly. of your actions. <laughs> Absolutely. So technically, you are in the know. You just don't realize what you did. You just you know, right? Right. And so Marvin trying to tell them already. Listen, we don't stepped on this packet as long as we could. We already, we already are, are running on fumes because of what happened at the stash house. Like, you know, we, we can't step on this no more. And she was like, well, we're going to just try to have to scrape together some work and keep things going. She sent both of them to go talk to some people about, uh, you know, buying off some of their work to keep them going until they Did get Did we lose video. Juggernaut? No, I'm still here. No, oh, I'm okay. here. When you get quiet, I get, oh, when he get quiet, I'll be like, hold on. <laughs> he, he, he here. But uh, basically, here. you know, it, it just, it it's just her trying to manage the network. And right. trying to manage the organization on what needs to happen next because she's kind of at a loss of words herself. She don't know what needs to happen, but she know that they got to get some. They got to get their hands on some work, or they're gonna be dried up. So yeah, they're gonna be dried. Both of them directives on who they need to go talk to, Greasy and this guy and this guy, to try to piece together some work while they figure out what's going on with Dean. 
And, you know, Lulu was like, look, I got to get back to the venue. She gave me a look like, and then he cleaned it up. He's like, well, I'll go talk to Greasy first, and then I'll go back to the venue or whatever. And she wasn't trying to hear none of that. <laughs> well, right, because, right, I mean, and again, I understand where she's coming from. Like, listen, right now, what you're doing right there is a hobby. Like, she's like, nigga, go into that business. Right, this well, is Well, she business, told me, she said, this is what kept y'all fed right here. This is what keep y'all fed, so. Right, and not only is it business, business, but we in, like, a crisis. Like, this, is, this isn't, like. Crunch time, yeah. Right, yeah, this isn't, like, a normal, regular, old, okay, well, you can handle it when you get a chance. No, we might run out of product. Like, we need you to handle it. Like, what is wrong Tonight, with you? Tonight, today. Yeah, we yeah. need a resolution today. But Marvin tried to tell her, like, look, I want to do more, but y'all got me up here in Baisley Heights. Uh, kicking down walls and knocking down floors, like you know, you ain't even trying to use my talents. And you know, she was like, Well, I'm glad y'all all can go and have a good time and this and this and that. While I'm putting out fires and y'all just keeping y'all hands warm to the fire. Um, which I thought that was a very powerful statement she made to them, but she's somewhat resentful to them. Uh, but at the same time, neither one of them wants to take on the responsibility of running the organization as she has. So right. sometimes I feel like she's a little resentful towards them about that because you know she's having to do so and they're not. What are y'all thoughts about that? Because she 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 makes little digs at both of them about that, but why is that? I Go think ahead, because she again, I think she how um I mean trying to establish I mean I wouldn't say really establish her dominance, but exercise her dominance. Like y'all do what I say, you know what I'm saying? Like she has to constantly reiterate because it's it's shown that they will get sidetracked. Mm, good thought. I think, yeah, I think her frustration is more aimed at Lulu in this scenario than Marvin. And, I only, agree. and the reason I agree. and the reason why I say that is because we already know she don't respect Marvin. Like that's not new. She she does not respect Marvin, but Lulu is her right hand, and now she feels like Lulu is being distracted and he she and, and unreliable, and so now it's like, listen, I I can't like I already know that Marvin is only good for X Y and Z, but Lulu, you my right hand, and now you leaving me hanging, and I really think that's where her biggest frustration in that moment was coming from was more aimed at Lulu than it was at like both. Big you know what I mean? Facts. I 100% agree because even Marvin kind of puts uh, 10 on 20 when he comments too. He was like, yo, fuck you in your uh, bullshit ass showcase, Lou. Uh, you know, and that was just an opportunity for Marvin to take a dig into it as well because, uh, but you know, Lulu Marvin, because he, he, he took an opportunity to go back at Marvin was like, well, your daughter's performing at my bullshit showcase, so why right. don't you be a parent and show up for it? Right. You know? He was like, you don't even, you know, like, you need to pay, pay more attention to your damn daughter. Which, they've been telling him all along, poor, poor Jukebox, she really is raising her damn self. Yeah, she like, is. It's, she it really is. Instead of her being called Raising Canaan, she'll be Raising Jukebox, because poor Jukebox right. raising herself. You ain't lying. That poor girl got to fit for herself every day. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, she got a crazy family too. Oh Lord. Yeah, she does. So you see Marvin come out the door. Him and his Newport 100s. He got to light up a Newport 100. <laughs> and you see, uh, I used to smoke Newport 100. Every time I see that pack, I, I miss. I want to. I want to have one. <laughs> so you see, Katie come around the corner. He's like, "Yo, Uncle Mar, let me holler at you real quick." And so, him and Uncle Mar get in the uh, whip, and um. You know, he take they go for a ride. You know, 
And um, I guess that's when, uh, you know, we see what y'all keep saying. What I keep hearing y'all saying that Marvin and Kanan have a uh, a relationship. You know, they're developing a relationship or, you know, uh, their relationship is progressing. Their teamwork. They're working together as a unit, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see uh, uh, Azuma Dean is back at the bingo hall with his grandmother. Yeah, uh, I guess that's just what he does every day. I guess so. I guess they go to the bingo hall every day, you know. I don't the know. Is growing my ears. Or or is it I you know what I was trying to figure that out part. Is it every day or is it uh every, is a particular day in the week that they go? You know, right. It, does he have office hours at the bingo? Yeah, does he, <laughs> does he have office <laughs> the hours? Is, the oh, grandma right. here. His, his working hours are at the bingo hall, honestly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So she shows up and there's a new guy at the front. Smurf ain't there. Smurf ain't at the front door. So there's a new guy that frisked her down at the front door. And we already knew what that was getting ready to tell us right there when we seen there was a new guy at the front door that frisked her. And she went back there to see uh, Dean. He turned Grandma hearing aid off. And he he didn't even jump to the chase at all with her. He pretty much told her our business relationship has ended effectively. Right, I wish right. You, and he was like, he's there with the I wish you all the best. <laughs> he fired her. Yeah, he fired her. Because <laughs> he he no no your services are no longer required. <laughs> I'm you like, damn. Fired. <laughs> damn, he didn't get fired from the drug game. And right. he said part of uh, for two reasons. First reason was that a competitor of yours, and he was all professional with her ass. He said a competitor of yours offered me 20% uh, to buy your product out. And then I just can't trust you. And it kind of goes back to what uh, uh, Detective Howard was telling Unique about her. Like, Rock either don't know the uh, the rules or she just don't give a fuck. Because basically, Dean is telling you the same thing. Like, what you just did, you know, you fucked up somebody else's life. You fucked up my you organization. You crossed the line. You, you crossed, crossed the, line. the line. Yeah. And and I think, like, I, I agree with you because I think in her mind, she because like she said, she said, can't nobody trust anybody in this game. He was like, yeah, but it's levels to this. And I think that's what, like, like, like you said, Detective Howard was like, you don't understand. Yeah, there's certain things that are par for the course, but there are other things that's like exactly. a gentleman's code. Exactly. It's like a gentleman's code that you don't do. Yeah, so. But yeah. she being the woman in this scenario, she don't feel like those rules apply to her. Uh, and I don't mean it in that sense in a chauvinistic way. What I'm saying is she feels like because she is a woman, she has to move outside of those gray areas she, that those rules don't apply to her or whatever the case may be because she didn't agree to these codes. You know, she's not part of the gentleman's club. You know, she's not part of the G code. So, you know, those rules that apply to high post and, uh, you know, uh, the other dude that was DEFCON, that don't apply to me. They they make those arrangements and agreements with you. I did. So she feels like the rules don't necessarily apply to her because she didn't agree to them. Mm, interesting. So, I mean, that's that's that's, that's the only I way I can that. rationalize her character and how she does these things because she does these things without no remorse whatsoever. She doesn't even consider there being a possibility of repercussions or consequences. Just like when she gave that man that money for that information, she should have known right then and there that was going to be some consequences for him. Uh, And she still had to continue to do business with Dean. How did she think that she was going to walk away from that and unscathed? Right. You sure let it be known. 
So to me, I feel like it's either her just thinking that th- this these are not my rules. I didn't agree to these terms, or whatever the case may be, and it, it, it is what it is. Or it's like uh, Detective Howard was one hundred percent on point when he made that comment. It's either she know the rules and she just don't give a fuck, or she just don't know the rules. It's one of the two. Yeah, that's interesting because I never th- I I never thought of it from that perspective. So that's definitely a different perspective because my question was going to be, do y'all think that she makes these same moves if she's a if she's a man? But you kind of just answered that that you don't think she would be making these moves if she were a man. I agree. And you got to keep okay. in mind, she was she was kind of raised. She wasn't raised up to per se be running a a, a, a criminal organization. She was raised to be a hustler's hoe, is what you like to call them. Uh, <laughs> That's was my supposed, line. That, that she was supposed to be supportive <laughs> to the organization, not running the organization. So right. this, this this is the same thing that we saw with Tasha when she started making moves and trying to be a queen pin and run her own organization and look how big of a mess she made with the druggy daycare. So I think that you know a lot of this is kind of got dumped in her lap where Defcon went to jail and Hoppos got killed or whatever the case may be. Her brothers ain't shit, so she had no choice but to step in and keep the family with food on the table. So you know a lot of these things, these are lessons that she's learning. And she's in the game. It's part of the game. That's the theme song. It's part of the mm-hmm. game that she's learning. And she's learning those hard lessons. Okay. So which, that's, that's an interesting thought. Okay. Which which requires her to stick and move a little bit more than uh, Unique. Because you can see Unique hasn't made any changes to his situation. Since we saw this show, we've, we've seen her make several different changes to her situations from the bodega to the... Uh, to the uh, apartments. So, you know, she's constantly having to uh, make adjustments to her organization because ain't none of it smooth running. All of it is full of hiccups. I also think that if she wasn't a woman and she was a man, she'd probably be dead already because they would have definitely tried to exile her ass out. Uh, I, don't think mm. that her, I don't think that her gender is keeping her alive. I don't think that's what's keeping her alive. I, I think that, uh, you know, she is feared. I, I do think that she is feared. She is looked at as a threat, per se. They're just trying to figure out the best way to eliminate her threat. And I don't know what it is about DEFCON that we're supposed to uh, think. But, you know, it's, it's the same thing that we're getting with Monet in uh, book two with Lorenzo. You know, DEFCON name carry weight. So because she's DEFCON baby mama or whatever the case may be, she got weight on her name. So I think that's what's keeping her, you know, protected per se. You know, uh and at the at, at some point we're going to see her to be a dangerous force to be reckoned with. We are already starting to see that bits and pieces of her because she is reckless and she does not have any remorse for her decision making. I feel like she will kill anybody. I feel like she will kill one of her brothers if she had to. I don't feel like yeah, anybody's safe for her that. butt canyon. I don't think I think Kane is the only person that is safe for her. We see that a little bit. Of, uh, I'm not gonna say that CP because you're gonna eat me up when I say this, but I feel like it's a little obsessive, a little bit her relationship with Kanan. But she kind of answered that in a previous episode where she was like, uh, she had him when she was 16. They grew together, and you know she's had to take care of a baby by herself. So I guess that she has a strong 
love for her child bond but at the same time she's also a drug dealer so she's not a typical mother uh she's a mother that's also running a criminal organization so i, I it makes it 10 times worse her affinity towards her child because her child is not only her child but part of her organization as well that's a great thing why why am i gonna say something <laughs> <laughs> So we see Marvin and um, Kenan at the gas station, and I'm assuming that we're left to believe that this is outside of town or across town or uh, you know, or in, in the white neighborhood, maybe. Yeah, he made the yeah. comment about um, um, them giving up the white prices or whatever, so I guess right. they're trying to come up with a, a drive-through system at the gas station. I don't understand how this is going to per se work. Uh did anyone else get a better understanding of how this drive-through system was going to work at the gas station? Mm, not at all. I didn't no. either. I didn't understand that layout. I mean, that shit is coming from explain. Canaan. You ain't going to understand that till later on. I guess the only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, put someone at the gas station that will serve people as they come in and out to get gas. That's the only other thing that I can think of. Right. So are you gonna are you gonna buy out the gas station? Are you gonna take it over like y'all did the bodega? That's like, what that's I was thinking. Way that's, that's I see that I working. That that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking that they was gonna take control of that gas station like they did the bodega. Because the bodega is not a gas station; it's just like a local corner store. Right. 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 Uh, so I'm assuming that they were gonna use that same scenario for the gas station, which is a little odd. Speaking of the bodega, we switched to the bodega and poor Miss Julia. This is the worst we don't see her. Man, the husband yeah. fucked up. Yeah, she yeah, was looking put, bad. He put a beating on her, man. That was that Yeah, was he put a real up. beating on her this time. That lady really, really. I don't know bad. what she did or said that made him. I don't know what it was. I mean, not that it's her fault, but I'm just saying, well, I don't know what set him off, but he was mad. And he beat the hell out of her. And it, but you know what? Time, he probably taking out on her what he can't do to rock. I was thinking that too. I was just getting ready to say that. Do you think that her ass beatings or her beatings are a result of her? Because you remember she was the one who initially suggested to Lulu at some point off camera, of course, that because you remember Lulu came to rock with the idea about I had spoke to this lady at the bodega who said she wouldn't work with us. So do you think she's getting beatings from that? Because she that might be. She's brought and them then, into and, their lives. And, yeah, it could be because he's not able to. He didn't got in bed with them now, and he's not able to control the situation. Like and he can't control he, them, right? Be like the way he would want to. He's just like, oh shit, I'm stuck now. Basically, so you think he beat her ass on account of that? that? Shut up. So uh, I agree. I agree, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I think it has to do with that. I, I I agree. So I agree too. Uh, so we see Rock come in, and finally Rock acknowledges it. You know, she had been looking at her all along, and she finally said something to her about it. She was like, uh, "She was like, uh, you want to talk to my husband?" She said, "No, I want to talk to your husband. I want to talk to you." He's like, "I, I want to see your cousin. I, I need to meet with your cousins in Washington Heights." Washington Heights goes back to power as well. So uh, just. Picking up a reference. Okay, but um, my question is this: When do y'all think that Rock knew who she was? Well, you know, Rock, Rock do her 
Rock do her detective work, and a lot of times we don't see that on camera. A lot of times we don't, just like the conversation she had with Scrappy when she was trying to infiltrate a Unique's situation. We saw the baseline of that by him getting in the truck with her, but we don't know what the conversation was. So, you know, Rock moves in a little bit of secrecy as well. So, you know, I'm quite sure she's probably done some work on this, some homework on this lady, especially if she's doing business with them like this. You know, she probably don't done some work on them to find out what's what, to know that she got uh, connections with a, 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 a drug cartel or whatever. That was probably what gained her interest and uh, allowed her to agree with doing business with them at this bodega because ultimately this was because it kind of takes me back to what I was saying in earlier episodes. They're, they're forming a partnership right now. We just don't know what type of partnership it's going to be but they are building the basis to what their relationship is getting ready to be. And once that husband is out of the way, we're going to see this lady, Julia, in a whole different light than what we're seeing her right now. Right now she's the battered disheveled, uh, beaten wife, but once they get rid of that Gabriel, we're going to see this lady in a whole different light and her and Rock going to be working together. Watch what I say. She was no, like, I uh, agree, but but it just it just that just hit me off. Like That just seemed real convenient in that episode that now all of a sudden this woman, now she's got connections to a cartel that you can get a whole supply from. It just I'm not saying that it's not it just, it just, like they I said, I was watching it. They mentioned it before. Okay, well, I missed it then. All right. Yeah, but it, it was then. vaguely mentioned. It was vaguely mentioned when uh, Lulu was telling them, when Lulu first came home and told her about this bodega and these folks wanted to work with her, I think he mentioned it then that they had ties to a drug cartel or whatever the case may be. I remember them having some type of conversation at some point. I don't know if it was that episode where they was getting ready to go into the bodega and they ran into D-Wiz and Famous outside. But I remember it coming up in conversation. Okay. I, I then do I remember it coming then. up. Then I they didn't it. expand on it, but I do remember them vaguely saying something about it. Okay. But because she said, oh, I had a fall. And then Raquel was like, no, you had a fall into your husband's fist. And, you know, she she's right. charging the battery up a little bit. She was charging the battery up a little bit with the lady, you know, trying to make the lady feel good about herself. Like, you know, look, I ain't here to talk to him. I want to talk to you and about your cousin or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And you can still see the admiration in the lady's eyes when she's talking. She's like, talk to Gabriel. She's like, no, I don't want to talk to Gabriel. And then the fact that the cousin and the husband don't get along, that that's just setting the tone right there that they're going to get rid of the husband. Like, it don't seem like nobody liked the husband. So, well, the husband's got to go. Shit, for real. <laughs> so we know what's getting ready to happen, and you just see it in her eyes when she agreed to set the meet up. She just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finna do this. Now we just need to figure mm-hmm. out how to get rid of this husband. Yeah. So, um, we see Bert spinning the block, and she riding around. She catch jukebox, and um, uh, you know what, CP. I'll let you break this thing down. Let's see if me and you're on the same page. <laughs> Let's right. just see me and you're on the same page. Go ahead, go with it. So we see her, um, she sees Jukebox and um Nicole passing out the flyers and um she waits till she she's watching them and Nicole and Jukebox, they're not doing anything overtly sexual, but they are, you know, they're hugging Embracing. and smiling and looking at each other all googly eyed, you know how you do. And when Nicole got on the bus to go home, she rolls up on her. 
And of course, jukebox being jukeboxes is like, yeah, you're whatever cop, I'm not fucking with you. Now I'm paraphrasing. You do a better job of like getting a dialogue. I'm paraphrasing here. Well, that's but that's basically what she said, yeah. Yeah, but essentially, um, Lady Cop lets Juke know, like, I know it's more going on between the two of y'all. And I get the impression that she's letting Juke know, listen, I'm gay. Oh, real point. That's what I walked away from. And then, now here's where I'm putting 20 on 10. This is the reason part right here. This and is then I was get the like, motivation to become is a cop. this will make her become a cop. We're so on the same page. Feel like, yeah, that makes me feel same. like. We definitely on the same that, page. But that also makes me feel like there's going to be a bigger relationship between Jukebox and the cop. And Bert. Yep. Yep. Okay, we so we was all on the same page. Okay, we all on the same on. page. I do feel like that. I do feel like that lady is hiding her sexuality, and and I feel like that lady might be a lesbian too. Yeah, I'm a little step further. I'm gonna take it a little step further. Something gonna happen to uh, Nicole. We know something is going to happen to Nicole. Nicole either gonna turn into an addict based off of what happened to her tonight. Yeah, she that, yeah. Kill. She gonna OD. Something gonna happen. To Nicole, Bert gonna be there for a jukebox. Bert gonna end up being there for a jukebox, and she she gonna pretty much let jukebox know that it's okay for her to that she feels and whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what's gonna be the motivation that gonna take jukebox to become a cop. Even though we know she gonna be a dirty cop, and I'm not saying that Bert gonna be a dirty cop, but what I'm saying is Bert gonna be a friend to that. Yeah, I understand. It's definitely it definitely lets me know that their interaction gets deeper. Yep, they were setting the they were foreshadowing something bigger. Yeah, they were they were laying that foundation. Because they were definitely what, laying what other foundation. point would it have been for them to show us interacting with her? Right, right. Jukebox ain't part of the game. She don't sell no drugs. She ain't even part of knowing what's going on in the family business per se, other than what she she picks up on. She's not in part of the family business like Kanan is trying to be a part of. So her rolling right. up on Kanan would have made more sense than her rolling up on Jukebox because unless she would not, nah, she would come to investigate Jukebox about some of the uh the stolen clothes. Then that would the be a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you on that. You broke that down 100% what I was thinking that we were getting ready to see here. That was the foreshadowing that that this Burt lady is going to have a bigger role in Jukebox life than... Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay, we're on the same page. So we well, see... <laughs> For what? We agree on something. <laughs> we agree on a lot of stuff. <laughs> but not like this, though. <laughs> we agree 100%. So we see Katie. We see Katie come down. He dressed. He got his little polo sweater on. His little polo shirt. He put a tie on. So he's really excited he, about going to the showcase. Is he doing his most? I was I was laughing when she was like, "What you putting a tie on?" He was like, "My Motown Philly." I remember that phase because I remember me and my friends dressing like that the with sweaters, the sweaters and the ties yep. with yep. the shorts. Remember you? Remember they used to wear their jeans shorts. Man, yep. I remember that. Yeah, took me back. That was a, that was a flashback moment. <laughs> yep. and he he had the outfit together, except for he didn't have the shorts on. He didn't have yeah, the he didn't have the shorts on. Yeah, yep. and I feel like they were wearing Doc Martens and not Tim's. I feel like uh, it was Doc Martens. Yeah, they weren't. They were yeah, they weren't wearing Tim's. No, and not Timberlands. Yeah, yeah. But she was like, uh, I like the tie, but I don't know how to tie it. <laughs> she was like, This is right. what I uh, 
I this is one of the times I wish I had a man around or wish she basically she was trying to drop a little nugget there to see you know uh, do you ever miss having your father around or whatever no she he's like you can't miss what you ain't never had so I I guess the truth so I guess in his eyes you know Defcon was already locked up when he was born so you know the only other male figure that he had in his life I'm assuming has been high post right so you know, and he and he it takes this moment as well to tell her that he approves of symphony, symphony, and that you know he think he a good dude or whatever the case may be. And I thought that would have changed her reaction when she met up with him because I knew that this, the next time she saw him or talked to him, that was going to be uh, rough. I just didn't know what was going to happen out of it, but I thought that because he was so uh, approving of their relationship that he was going to. You know, his blessings was gonna, you know, be enough to not make her mad at him anymore about it. But she wouldn't. He didn't change her mind at all. <laughs> nope, not at and all. So, okay, so here's a bit of a debate I've had with some other people earlier today about this. A lot of people felt like she wasn't getting dressed to go to the showcase that she was dressing to go see uh, the inspector. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, she was. Yeah. But she ended up going to the showcase, so I feel like she was dressing for the showcase, but just left early to go see the inspector. I don't feel like that outfit she put on was just for the inspector. I mean, it was. I mean, it could be a two for one, but she absolutely okay. was dressed up for the inspector. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I feel like she was. I feel like, and the reason why I say that is because I feel like she was overdressed for the showcase. I kind of felt like that too. I kind of felt like it too. I felt like you know what she wore was it necessarily but then you got Cannon putting on a tie you got uh lulu pulling up in a limousine so you know they the family but that even she... for all this so you know right. at some point you kind of expect for them to kind of be you know extra you know but even she said that when she saw Cannon with the tie she was like yo what kind of you putting a tie on what kind of affair is this so that made me think that she didn't think it was a dressy up event because she was questioning him with the tie so the outfit she put on was for the inspector is basically what you're saying. I mean, I feel like that, but then a part of me feels like I do, but I... Okay, so I do, but then a part of me is like, if you knew you had absolutely no intention of sleeping with him, why did you get dressed up? Exactly. Because <laughs> she had... Because she could have kept what she had on she had over and over. I think she had to play the part. No, she had... Yeah, she had to pay... You know, play the part of the paint. To let his guard down. You know, so he could let his guard on. If she would have walked in there with pants on and a, uh, uh, you know, with a, he probably would have kind of looked at. Damn, I said alone. Because he even made a comment about, "I'm so glad you dressed up for me. I like how you dressed." He something to the effect of, "You dressed up for me." Yeah, so you might be right about that, Marvin. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, he he had she had to paint the picture for him to drop his guard. Hmm. Because, I mean, it's a level of comfort. I mean, you think about it, the minute he felt the way he felt, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you dressed up for me. She, you know, put pushed his hand off her leg, and that's when she poured the money out. Like, I- But I feel like, but I feel like her and Jessica was dressed alike. I feel like they had the same outfits on, just one was dressed in black and one was dressed in red. Because, I mean, when she even stepped up out of the limousine, you know, she had on a short dress and you know, she had the stockings on, but then you know I also have to look at the fact that this is the '90s and this is how women dressed. 
back then, you know, when they went out, you know, on a date to a club or whatever, versus how women dress now when they go to a club. You know, back then, women used to dress up, because I remember my mom would wear outfits like this, when she would go out, you know, just to hang out with her girlfriends. So, I, I, I remember women dressing like this back then, you know, women were, um, you know, fashionable when they went out to a night nightclub or whether they were going out to a bar or whatever, you know, they were going to entertain a man or whatever the case may be. This is how they would dress. Because we've seen it in other episodes when she's went to go see Symphony at his house. Look what she would wear over there. You know, she didn't go over there looking like no bum then. So if she was I going mean, to see her man, you're supposed to dress up for your man. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> that's I mean, true. I mean, no I your, I, oh Lord, not the bonnet. But I see your point. Didn't have a part at all. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe I don't know because I feel like again, I'm not I, saying she put that outfit on ex- especially for the inspector. I feel like that was her outfit for the night, and she just left early to go see the inspector because maybe. otherwise she, she would have changed her clothes when she got back. Especially given what happened at the whatchamacallit, I feel like she would have went and changed her clothes before she went to the whatchamacallit, but I feel like that was her outfit for the night that she was going to put on. And Could have been. So we see uh, Lulu and Jessica and Famous, they all roll up to the spot, the showcase in the limousine. They all fall up out of the limousine. She get out like she first lady of the studio or whatever. I'm just... I don't know what it is I don't like about her because she hasn't really done anything but it's something about her character I just don't like. I don't find her trustworthy. I just, I'm, I was going to say that. It's something about her I don't trust. I don't know what it is either. I can't put my finger on it. But I, in the, like when we first met her, I thought she was all sweet and innocent. I did too. Like, oh, but then but that feeling has since gone. Right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, we're on the same page with that. So we see uh, a, a unique uh, homeboy. He seems to be some type of, uh, he's more than a worker. He's more than working because this is the same dude that was driving Unique around when um, they rode up on Davina. And so the fact that he's driving a Jaguar, I mean, uh, he's more than just a worker. I, I guess he's one of the lieutenants in Unique's uh, organization in Scrappy. They pull up and, uh, you know, he pulls the guns. He, uh, he gets the straps out of the secret compartment. I like how he activated that paid in full compartment. Yeah, he got the paid in full compartment. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turn the knob and hit the brakes two times. Yep, turn the knob and hit the brakes two times, and then pop open the uh, what you call it, and he got the guns out. So at that point, we we still didn't realize that they were all too scrappy. You know, we kind of already felt like that. You know, this was going too smooth to be true. And so, you know, uh, Unique had told them they were going to go light up the place, but he didn't tell them who the the mark was. So you know, they sitting here trying to figure out how to get into the uh, venue. Or whatever the case may be, uh, and I guess he probably did give Scrappy a loaded gun because I, I, Scrappy, being a gangster and a thug himself, would have realized that you know the gun didn't have no clip in it when he gave it to him. So I feel like the gun had had bullets in it, you know, had a magazine in it, had a clip in it. So um, you see jukebox back behind stage, you know, Dave like in a little dressing room or whatever, and Nicole come bringing some ginger ale because she's all nervous. And famous come back here with the big ass head, and you know he's just trying to um, hit on Nicole or whatever. And jukebox kind of go off on him like, "Yo, we ain't even rehearsed this song one time." 
and you're not nervous and you're not this and you're not that and you know she runs and locks herself in the bathroom so she's nervous about going to perform you know this is their first time performing in this crazy that they didn't even do no sound check <laughs> you know? right <laughs> they didn't do no sound check they have no kind of rehearsal whatsoever and I just I do not like character oh my god I can't wait for him to go he is so annoying and listen whoever that dude was they had singing the R&B song they could have kept that <laughs> listen was I was like is this supposed to be sexy like what who was he supposed to be <laughs> I don't I know who know. he was supposed to be I don't know who but he was supposed was... to be but he was terrible and the, the, his gumby yeah, was terrible too him. <laughs> oh man! And was terrible. He was terrible. He was horrible. Dude. Like, well, they could have kept that. With, let's see. That was my brother. Worst scene uh, for the night. And so that uh, man was like a fake. That man was like a fake Keith Sweat. That's exactly what he was. I was thinking I'll be sure, but <laughs> yeah, he was a fake Keith Sweat. So poor Raquel don't have to climb back up these eight flight of stairs again. She gets to the apartment and inspected with his old dirty ass and she opened her purse. We see she had the gat and the money. Well, she do best. Right. Uh, an old perverted inspector was sitting there waiting on her ass. And he looked at his watch like, yeah, bitch, you better be on time for me. That's the kind of look he had about his face when he looked at his watch. And, um, and then he was like, uh, I asked around about you and, um, Turns out you're some kind of drug dealer. So right then and there, he knew that he was getting ready to get paid. He knew that he was getting ready to get paid because she opened her purse and she threw out the money. And then he tried to rub up her thigh. She and she was like, "Nah, this is gonna be a transactional relationship." And mm-hmm. he jumped up and he choked the shit out of her ass. Man, you about to step her neck? <laughs> he about to step her yeah, neck. he was. He was. He was not happy about that conversation. Yeah, he at was all. Like a serial killer, brutal type shit. And then punched the bitch in the gut. And yeah, I'm like, damn. She scratched him across the face, and he punched her in the gut. And uh, you know, he get himself together, and he start unzipping his pants. And like, do you not see her crawling towards his hammer? <laughs> do you not see her? No, because he was. He was too busy worried about. What he thought he was getting ready to get. Man, she knocked the shit out of him with that goddamn hammer, yo. She caught sure the fuck did. out of him. She did. She caught the fuck out of him. But it just kind of takes me back to what she was saying in earlier episodes. She told Unique she would never be on her knees for a man. So, you know, now you're not going to rape me because when he saw that she wasn't going to give it to him willingly, he was going to take it. He absolutely he, was. He was going to take it. And he was going to take it rough. So... And it's like me, you were saying um, earlier, not only was he going to take it, but she was going to have to continue to give it up. Right. That's you know, what he thought. She was going to have to give up money and ass. So, yep. So it just proves to us that, you know, she's 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 not scared. She's not afraid. She knew what kind of risk she was in when she went there by, with him. So, right. you know, she was prepared to deal with the situation one way or another. It just so happened that how she thought she was going to have to deal with the situation, she didn't because her purse got knocked out, knocked down, so she wasn't able to get back to the gun. But right. nevertheless, she dealt with the situation. Hit him with the hammer. She, she hammered his ass up. <laughs> she sure did. She fucking hammered his whack, ass up. Fucking whack-a-mole. She hit that man across his fucking head. Yeah, she knocked him the fuck out. His ass straight down. Yep, knock him the fuck out. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, like, I know. She... Cub, he started, you know, squirming his legs like he trying to 
get his feet underneath him. I'm like, nah, dog, you might as well lay down. And rest for a minute because I know you seeing stars <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, stars, you seeing stars. Lay down and rest for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, lay there and rest for a minute because I know your dog is <laughs> killing you right now. <laughs> so we switch back to the showcase and uh, famous goofy ass uh, Cannon comes in and famous goofy ass is talking about how you know he fit to be the man out here and all this bullshit. I'm just so sick of him. And so, uh, Goes up to the bathroom and try to talk to a jukebox, talk her out of the bathroom. And like you said, CP, we learned a lot that we learned a lot from that that exchange and that conversation in their relationship. One, we we learned that they're only a year apart in age. Mm-hmm. Two, we've learned that Kanan has Kanan is somewhat jukebox's. What do you call that? Uh, Uh, safe place, I guess, is what you want to refer to him as, because he seems to be able to calm her when she's upset, mm-hmm. or reach her when she's upset. So mm-hmm. I guess they have that uh, uh, that that soothing effect on each other, where they can um, uh, bring comfort to each other when they're in duress. We switch back to the uh, apartment, and Marvin shows up, getting ready to do his. Um, his shift. Did you see? <laughs> did you see that mark on that man's head? That shit. Man, that man had an imprint of that hammer on his head. What are you talking <laughs> about? Man had an imprint of that hammer on his head. That man was. I'm surprised he was still alive. At the very least, he should have been unconscious. He he was standing there squirming. Yep, like you said, he was laying there squirming. She had not tied him up with duct tape. She told him make him feel that shit when he on his way out. And then she told him, make, what, make him pet food or bird food or something? She said, like that. She make said, a meal out this motherfucker. Make a meal out make of him. Make a meal out of him, yep. yep. She said, make a meal out of him. And I'm like, man, that nigga got a big ass knot on his head. <laughs> yeah. Are you not surprised? <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. That big ass hammer, they got knocked the fuck up inside his head. But uh, let's talk about what Marvin decides to do with him. So Marvin decides <laughs> to put him inside the wall and insulate him inside the wall. No lie. No nothing. That's what I was thinking. I was like, they ain't even pouring, like, he didn't put nothing in there. So that shit's going to be smelling. Now, if we like... want to see him put some lie on him, okay, I was like, okay, yeah, they're going to try to, they're going to try to make it where he's not going to decomp as, as quickly as he would without the lie. And I'm assuming that the insulation is going to help keep the smell down as well. I guess. Um, that's that's what I'm I'm assuming because that I'm man like, gonna smell like a dead fucking rat in that wall. Exactly. Oh, but yeah, he's going to definitely decompose it. But I guess uh, it, that that was the better to the alternative. I mean, who's gonna drag a dead he body out without each floor? No, he wrapped him up in fucking plastic, though. No, well, he had him wrapped up in plastic, and he was insulated. He had the insulation from the wall that was in there as well. So I'm I'm assuming that's going to help mask the smell. As well, so I don't know. I haven't committed murders and um, stored dead bodies in row houses before. Right, I don't know anything That's, about that. Right, I don't know anything then, about that life. Then Marvin didn't make it no better after he get after after Rockman slapped his ass upside his head with the hammer. Fucking Marvin put nails in his fucking head. Yep, that, right, and that took him on out. That that I took said, him on away from him. Yeah, she fucked him up real good. And so uh 
let's so but but what we also hear in that conversation Marvin decides to vent to the the inspector about his feelings towards the family about how they don't value him how they undervalue him how they think of him as a misfit or whatever the case may be and he was pretty he was pretty deep in that that wall so I'm, uh, and I don't know what type of wall this I don't know what type of spot this was was this behind the refrigerator type deal like I don't I don't feel like this is a normal wall in the apartment I feel like it's an accent wall or if it, it's behind something else type wall you know, I don't. But uh, we learn in that situation that uh, Marvin is frustrated with how the family views him. So he was using the opportunity to have the inspector listen to his frustration. And then we switch back to the showcase. You know, Rock show up and she just order her vodka soda, and she ain't gonna get a chance to get a drink before a man come up, and she right. walk off on him, and he come chasing her out the spot. And she finally gave him some time and she pretty much, he was like, let me explain to you what's going on. And she was like, no. She was like, I told you not to get in between me and my son and that's where you fucked up at. And, you know, it is what it is at this point. And she pretty much broke up with him and I feel like she just totally overreacted. And she shouldn't have did him like that. Like, dude been good to you and been good to your family. And, you know, you play him like that. I just... She was like, she basically tried to imply that because he was fucking her, that he was trying to be, you know, Kanan's dad. And I don't feel like that's what he was trying to do. He wasn't trying to son him. He wasn't trying to treat Kanan like his son. He did what Kanan asked him to do. And ultimately, what she would have asked him to do. So he was like, betray you. He was like, Kanan's a part of you. So, you know, me doing this for him was doing this for you. Right. Facts. When she was like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's, that, that's all. That's basically was like what she told him. That's it. That's all. And sent him on his way. He was like, "Fuck this show. Fuck y'all. I'm going on to the house." Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the same thing too, though. Like, right. Fuck you in this show, bro. I'm going on to the house. <laughs> okay, exactly. And she was finna go on to the house. And then she saw that commotion out front with a uh, dude in the maroon suit. Uh, and I don't know what what made him so. I guess because of the next few scenes with him. But normally when they put a character in a, a, a color like that that stands out from the rest of the crowd means that there's something particular about that character, you know, that we're getting ready to learn or see about the character. We well, see, we see that he's definitely an asshole. Oh, my God. Or a predator at the very least. <laughs> he is another predator. He was thirsty for something. Right. <laughs> he was thirsty. Fucking grabbing on women and shit. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ain't fucking hold, trying to hold no conversation or nothing. He's about a fucking arm, talking about what kind of babies they'll make exactly. Them. Yeah, he was just thirsty, and so uh, we see uh, you know, Jessica try to hold her arm because he when he tried to push up on her, she was like, I'm Lou Girl. He was like, So, <laughs> and she was like, Step the fuck off. But I don't know, normally stuff like this don't bother me in shows, and I guess because it's her character, I don't too much care for. But she was like, that nigga thirsty. And he need to go over here and talk to them hood rats. I was kind of a little offended there. I'm like, uh, the N-word? Uh, you you know, you're, a little, you're not dark enough to be using this N-word. <laughs> 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 you know, you you fit into the minority category because you're Puerto Rican. But you're not, your skin not dark enough yet. So, you know, you said that nigga with a little bit too much, you know, you know, confidence in your voice. Right. But 
we see Rock, she kind of went over there and saw the commotion or whatever. And, you know, her presence alone shut the uh, uh, confrontation down. So that's right, what kind of goes back to what I was saying quick. earlier about they know who Rock is. You know, Rock. But I kinda kinda oh, somewhere. yeah. You I could definitely see the recognition. During that, scene, during that scene, though, I kind of got a sense that Lulu had the whole, the whole, damn, I got it look on my face. Like, I ain't need your ass to come over here. He did. He was like, I got this sense. Why you brought your ass over here? Yep. He did have that look on his face. Yep. Yep. So that's why I'm going to call old boy Brooklyn because that's where he, I guess that's where he was from because, you know, him and Lulu had an exchange about Brooklyn versus Queens. You on the south side and you might not make it home. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna call boy Brooklyn. So Brooklyn then try to um push up on um jukebox old lady. He tried to push up on her. I'm like, well, damn, he thirsty. And that's when she told him to go over there and leave them hood rats or uh, go mess with them hood rats. And then um Crown comes up and, and he rolling up a blunt and laces the blunt with uh, either some cocaine or some crack. I'm assuming it was crack. He sprinkled, he sprinkled some shit off up in there. I'm like, the fuck is he doing? I think it was crack. I yeah, I think was, it was. I thought, I thought she was gonna actually partake in that shit at first. I thought so too because remember she offered the little girl a drink and the girl didn't want to drink. But how do you turn down a drink to smoke a lace blunt? And you just sat here and watched him lace it in front of you. He sat there and sprinkled the shit right there in front of them. <laughs> you felt like that was you to, to hit this lace blunt <laughs> than it is to have this you drink that old girl that, had just offered you. you. Took that motherfucking drink. Yeah, you should have took that drink. He's talking about we about to be real unnecessary up in here, but old girl didn't hit it, did she? Uh little no, girl. Uh, little girl did didn't hit it, but Nicole did. Yeah. And you seen it right then and there. What what's getting ready to happen to her? She finna turn into a crackhead, ain't she? Yeah, she when she felt that I don't you know. saw the whole look. Oh whoa. Yep. But that cause listen. listen. She's gonna be geeked up. Yeah, them things ain't no joke. And she hit it hard too. She hit it real hard too. So she was in the zone. And so I, like I, I kind of wanted Jukebox to find, figure it out. Something was wrong with her when they were taking the bus ride home because, you know, she was high as hell on the bus ride home. And so we get to the main event. You know, it's time for uh, Famous and uh, Jukebox to go out on the stage. Kanan don't finally talk to her out the bathroom or whatever. Raquel don't got mad and she don't went on to the house. Or whatever. So, you know, Marvin and, and Lulu is there. You know, they are in the crowd. And so you see uh, Scrappy and um, Unique's boy, Warrell, show up. And they were like, well, we can't get in the back. We can't get in the front, so we're going to have to go in the back. So they take the gun, they go bust the window out in the back, and they climb in the window. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Scrappy getting ready to eliminate this problem for, for the family. Right. Uh, yeah. They're not going to even make it into the showcases. Scrappy getting ready to take old boy out right now. I just knew this was getting ready to happen, right? So we see Marvin making his way to the crowd. He see Jukebox get up on the stage or whatever, whatever. And so now Famous wants to get nervous. Now your goofy ass want to get nervous. Stage fright. So, you know, she told her, oh, well, especially when he grabbed old boy and was like, who we getting ready to hit? And he still wouldn't tell him? Like, I just, this is your perfect opportunity to take care of him right then and there. Right. So we see Jukebox and Famous get out there on the stage. He nervous. He got stage fright. You know, Jukebox is like, yo, kill the uh, beat DJ. And, you know, she kind of, you know, rep for uh, Queens or whatever the case may be. You know, she started singing. And he go Marvin Goofy. That's my child. That's my kid. That's my kid. 
Now you want to acknowledge her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now you right. be proud dad watching your child. Now you want to be a proud daddy. Right, right. <laughs> Fucking same girl dad, yay. <laughs> uh, Bobby, you would have been a better father than Jukebox. Trust me, we know. <laughs> you would have been a better father. <laughs> but Jukebox right. had her own. You know, she got she got famous all hyped up and whatever. And, you know, famous started rapping. But this is where I feel like we get ready to argue a little bit. I feel like he changed uh, lyrics to the song. He did. He changed the lyrics to the song. These were not the original lyrics to the song. You saw they it all in Kane's face. First of all, you rapping about my life. And when he was like, them four quarters and them two dime, okay, that was buck 20. Then he started talking about the two people that... Uh, Survive the stash house. Then he was talking about D Wiz. Like, wait a minute, you going away? You going way too far? Ain't nobody else pick up on it in that moment of the Dean Cannon because I mean it was his life. But right, you saw it was that his story. You saw that it was his story. But you saw that yeah. look in Cannon's face, like, yo, this is a problem. Yeah. So what do you think gonna happen? Or am I reading more into that? Because Cannon desperate de- definitely didn't look like he was pleased with that. He didn't nah, he he wasn't realize happy about it. Well, I mean, he was the bopping, commentary, he, he said bopping. he was just like, you know, the commentary was like, and there it is. <laughs> like, you know. And that's what these rappers do, yep. Like you couldn't keep you couldn't keep to the to your original rhymes. You had to be something in my life. And you put my right. business on the street. And they had already checked him about that at the bodega. You know, Jukebox had already... Because you even see that look of, I'm sorry, bro, uh, on Famous Face when he looks down in the crowd at Kanan when he realizes Kanan realizes that I'm 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 rapping about you. And, and then this dude pushing everybody out the way in the crowd. Ain't nobody seeing get some getting ready to pop off. Where the security at? Um, y'all yeah. see the dude pushing everybody out the way in the crowd. Y'all don't feel like something getting ready to pop off. And they got, and then he sitting here looking all swollen, man. <laughs> I don't know what y'all, <laughs> I don't know what y'all were doing at this party. But dude, uh, uh, waits till he gets up on Lulu to tell Scrappy that you know our, our ops is uh, Lulu. This is his last night breathing. And then I thought Scrappy was getting ready to alert Kanan on what was going on, but he walked right past him. I'm like, you had so many opportunities to take dude out. Like, you just, you missed so many opportunities with that. That was sloppy. And, like, y'all have, I, I like the fact that he did warn Lulu what was getting ready to happen. And Lulu picked up on it real quick and created a fight. And, you know, they fought their way out of the venue. And everybody kind of, you know, uh, you know, duck and ran and, um, and went their separate ways. But I felt like uh, Scrappy had the ability to take care of this problem for uh, for the family. Mm-hmm. So what y'all think I agree. No, I agree 100%. I, I, I felt like there were so many opportunities for Scrappy to do something other than what he did. Even even at the end, I felt like there was a better the better way that he When he ran at the door. Yeah, when it just doesn't make... I, I'm with you. It didn't make sense to me. He had opportunities. He He definitely had opportunities, and I'm not Sure, what the hell he was waiting for. Um, and the, the fact that they had built his character up, they had them build his character up 
And for him to go out the way he did, I, I just that was disappointing for me. This is the first time uh, they've left me disappointed in the episode because I feel like Scrappy should have been able to take care of his problems in the family. And yeah. instead, because, he became a he had another one to him. So at, I don't know what he, I don't know what more information he thought he could have got for Rock because he had to know that they were on to him. And he didn't get a chance to get back to delivering the information. And then everybody just kind of go their separate ways. You got Lulu and Jessica, they fucking in a limousine. You got Marvin pulling up on the corner. And trying to right, nobody even his... checked on Scrap. Nobody, like, nobody checked on nobody. Sure right, good. nobody checked on nobody. This is what irritated me. Nobody checked on anybody. You got Lulu and Jessica fucking in the uh, limousine. You got uh, Famous and some little white girl uh, getting Becky in the bathroom. Right. Jukebox <laughs> and uh, Nicole on the bus on ho- on their way home. Kanan's at Davina's house getting ready to clap them cheeks. Wow. I'm like, ain't nobody checking on nobody. And Marvin pulled up on the corner and was like, uh, you know, taking his workers out to the interstate. I'm like, and then you got Raquel at home smoking her Virginia Slim, thinking about, damn, I don't have a fucked up day. I'm right, like, like and and again, you know, growing again, growing up in the nineties, going to parties, like I mean, I hate to say it like this, but when me and my friends went to a party, especially if we were outside of our neighborhood, we always had a meetup spot. Like yep. if yep. shit if go 20 down. People, if twenty people went, twenty people was coming fucking home. Exactly. Yep. And that was the rule. Like if like when when we were going into a party, we were like, Listen, this is the meetup spot. If shit go down. This is where we meet up. You know, it was always like a block or two away so that we could get out of harm's way. But if it go down, this is where we meet up. And I'm just, again, I'm with you. You you saw what went down. You know that Scrappy was, um, you know that, that basically he was um, compromised because he had to compromise himself in order to warn Lulu. So you know he's compromised. Why didn't anybody check on him? Why didn't anybody make sure, like, and and again, oh, why didn't nobody try to take too. out dude? Why ain't nobody try to take out dude? Right. I mean, I put it on scrap too because again, he had opportunities because there's no way in the world that he was supposed to leave that club with him. He there's no reason in the world that he was supposed to leave that club with that dude. He was not <laughs> supposed to leave that club with him. I He's agree. supposed to follow Lulu, follow Marvin. I don't give a fuck. Follow anybody except for him. Right. That- that that was just that was a missed opportunity. That was a missed opportunity, and I know they want to push the story forward, and I, I I get why they ended up doing it, shooting it the way they shot it, and whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, we're getting ready to lose the character anyway, so it, it doesn't make any sense. But that that really should have been written a different way. Um, and I, I don't know what we're seeing here with Lulu and this girl. I'm sick of uh, Lulu and this girl. I'm tired of her at this point. Uh, I guess we're supposed to see where Lulu is falling in love with this girl, and they're going to end up being a couple. She's going to end up being pregnant by him or something. Like, I, they're, they're giving us more to this this story. Like she's going to be his Angela, basically, because he he is oh, all about this girl. Hey, I'm telling you, he no, all about I'm this just girl. saying, like you said, you just said that when we was watching it today. That's what wifey said. She was like, this seemed like a fake-ass Angie and Ghost. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. That, that, this, this, this is the vibe that I'm getting. Like, he is so turned out over this girl. Like, I, I don't know what's, what's going to make her go away, you know, at this point. I'm just trying to figure out how are we going to get rid of her, you know. 
uh, other than the fact, uh, the only way I can see us getting rid of her is if she do decide to do something with Crown. And I just don't see why she would want to do something with his broke ass at this point because, you know, he's no longer in a position that he can do anything for her. You know, right. because he ain't got no money. And she see that, you know, Lulu's is fronting all the bills. So right. I, I just, I don't see her crossing the line sleeping with the... the no, I don't see it now. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I don't see it now. I saw it at first, but I definitely don't see it now. So you get to the end of the night, you know, everybody don't have a hell of a night at this point. You know, Kanan is sneaking in or whatever the case may be. High's mama didn't hear him sneaking in, but she heard them gunshots. <laughs> She jump up out that bed on go, boy. She be on go mode, boy. She be tripping out. Right. She be running with that gun. <laughs> she be on go mode. He grabbed the gun and ran right out there. She ran right out there, no hesitation. Right. Yeah. And she might have heard Kanan come in, but she knew he was partying. He was out with his friends. She probably was like that was less of a big deal to her. Yeah, I'm not even gonna bust his balls about it. I talked to him in the morning, like I ain't waking up to fuss with him about that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> And right. what do we see when she opened the door? It's Scrappy laid out there in his drawers, man. They don't torture oh. They don't torture him. They don't pull one of his eyes out. So I, I think there was a message that they were trying to send her and sleep no, with one eye open. Wasn't it? No, it was out. No, his like, eye was swollen. His eye wasn't out. Go back and watch it. Uh, I think his eye was out the socket. Out. No, they whooped his ass. He was, And they shot him. But if you look at it, he was still moving his and he was oh, okay. See what I'm talking about, CP? See what I'm talking about? <laughs> See what I'm talking oh, about? Lord, not <laughs> what I'm talking about. Listen, what I'm talking about? Scrap is dead. dead. Let it go. He, go. Because I don't know how he going to make it, but I'm just saying, like, he was blinking his eyes and, you know, like, fucking conscious and shit and probably hanging it's on to his dead. life. It's called post-modern. <laughs> He is dead. 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 dead, dead. dead. <laughs> okay, we on the same page today. I was, I was a couple people want to argue with me today. He's still alive. He's still alive. No, he's dead. He's, he's dead. dead. He's dead. And if he's not dead, he should be dead. Because he looks bad. If he's not yeah. dead, he's dying. <laughs> there you yeah. go. <laughs> We're not gonna have that though, Scrappy still and, and, and Raquel and Cannon gonna tend to him and bring him back to life. No, he's nah. dead. He's gone. Nah, he's too fucked then up they... for that. You have to take him to a hospital. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They ain't well, gonna be no nurse him in the basement type shit and nurse him back together. He's dead. <laughs> well, then again, then again, they never did explain how Kanan has made it to D.C. and burnt alive, but okay, all right, you know. Well, they did, they did, they did, they did. I mean, they did, but it's not believable. Because he called anyway. Jukebox to come and get him. And she came and get him. Now, I don't know how, how long did it takes that to ride from D.C. to, to New phone. York. Right, but how did he even, because this is not like the day of cell phone, I mean, of, 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 of pay phones. This nigga is burnt to a, I'm not going down that road. That was, that was. <laughs> Burnt his ass. Uh, burnt his ass. Right. <laughs> Overall, what did we think about this week's episode? What do you think that we... What was the biggest thing we learned? The biggest thing that we learned is that Raquel is not going to concede. Because at this point, you would think that Unique has won. He's cut a uh, supply off. You know, she don't have the more weight to move. But you see that she's going to keep on pushing. So, what, what's our, what, what do you think we're going to take... Take away from the next, uh, I think we might have four episodes left, maybe three. Well, the one thing we saw in the previews is that they are definitely at war. If they were, if they, they were tap before. dancing, right, if they were tap dancing around it, they are at full blown 
war. Go like, mode. it's yeah, it's it's go mode now. Now, the question is what that go mode is going to look like, but it is definitely go mode. I agree. I agree. All right, uh, Juggernaut, what you, I mean, what you think about this week's episode? Um, man, I'm <laughs> the process. The process. This, shit, this, shit was, <laughs> this shit was rough. Like, damn. I mean, it was. It's a lot to take. It's a lot to take in. You know. I mean, it's how you said it, it's getting that. It's getting to the meat and potatoes of the situation. Damn, boy. This one was tough. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, I I think we're going to uh, set the tone for what season two is going to be like. But then again, this this writer in this writing room um, does a very good job at uh, closing arcs. They don't really leave a lot of stuff out there dangling. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is within the next four episodes, are we going to have a resolution to Detective Howard and his sickness? Uh, you know, there's a lot that has to happen in the next four episodes. Right, because he told the doctor, "I'm fucking dying." <laughs> so, right, she's talking about some. You don't look well, bitch. You the one that told me I'm dying. What and I am right. She and said, I "You am. don't look well. I'm fucking dying." Like, <laughs> and then no uh, you know, we got to figure out this whole scenario with jukebox. What's getting ready to happen with her and this little girl? Uh, you know, it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are going to have to be uh, answered for. Uh, even though we have another season, if they don't want to take a lot of this story into the next season, if they want to start the next season off and we're going to get introduced to Ghost and Tommy's characters, uh, then they have a lot of things that they're going to have to close the door on uh, for this season in order for them to move towards that storytelling. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these next four episodes go because they're going to turn it up. But overall, I'm still pleased with the show. I think it's great. Uh, one of the best uh, versions of power I think that we're going to get. Not looking forward to uh, book two in November, but it's part of the power universe, so I guess I'll continue to watch it. Can't right. wait for um, Tariq, Tariq to die. Now, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to the BMF, but I can't wait for Tariq to die. If Tariq dies and they want to carry keep book two going, then it'll probably be a better show. But... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Damn, got rid of Tasha? They got rid of Tasha. The show still going, so we can get rid of Tariq, and the show can keep keep going with the new other wow. characters. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up this week, yo. Unless anyone else got anything they want to touch on this week's episode. Nah, I'm nah. good. All right. Well, shout out to our uh, co-host uh, D Jackson. He wasn't able to be on with us tonight, but you know he always has his little twist and turns. So I'm sure he'll have a long list for us next week when he come back. <laughs> But uh, as always, you can find me at uh, on Instagram at RetroCG. Uh, you can also find the podcast at uh, TSF Entertainment on Instagram. Uh, Juggernaut, can we find you at? Uh, IG at Juggernaut underscore of underscore souls. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Juggernaut Space of Souls. Just dropped that lightning review today, man. It's doing pretty good numbers for a few hours. I got a couple of more reviews I'm dropping this week, man. The Yeezys, the off-white dunk. So it's a work in progress, man. Consistency is key. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. CP, where can we find you at? You can find me on Instagram at, I mean, or at you will. You can find me on Instagram too, but you can find me at 
on YouTube at Really Be TV, and you can find me on Instagram at Really Be TV underscore on YouTube. And as always, you guys can send us any uh, emails to info at tsfentertainment.com. And uh, we will try to answer any of your questions that we get through our DMs or through emails on the show. And, of course, if anyone wants to be part of our show, please hit any of us up and we'll be more than happy to have you on as a guest. All right. I guess we'll see you guys next week. We out of here. All right. We out of here. You are now listening to TSF Entertainment Podcast.